it's all about. Romans chapter 12, if you will. Look at Romans 12. I used this passage of Scripture last week. Romans chapter 12, we want to look again at verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2, as I shared with you a sermon of entitled, Biblical Church Member is Totally Surrendered to God, Part 2. I didn't get to verse 2 last week, so I want to finish it up this week. So we'll do a part 2. Part 1, last week, a biblical church member is totally surrendered to God, Part 1. And now we're going to look at Part 2. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul speaking, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Last week I shared with you the sermon entitled, A Biblical Church Member Totally Surrendered to God from Romans chapter 12. Really we covered verse 1. We looked at verse 1 in detail and we discovered that, just kind of I'll review for you that were not here, we discovered that a, that total sur- surrender included an act of gratitude, an act of gratitude. He said, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There's no way that I can repay Jesus Christ for what he did for me at the cross. However, because of his mercies, that word mercies means loving kindness, loving kindnesses. His loving kindnesses uh, in regards to uh, pardon, his forgiveness of sin, justification, being declared that I'm justified, I'm, uh, I'm forgiven of my sins, I've been made holy, or I'm being made holy through the sanctification process. His loving mercies, and his loving mercies should bring you and I to a place of gratitude And more of us, it should bring us to a point of full surrender to the Lord Jesus. No wonder Isaac Watts penned these words, and I mentioned last week, the love, so this love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Isaac Watts. We sang that song last week. And so a biblical church member is total surrendered to the Lord, and it's an act of Gratitude and thanksgiving. Secondly, I mentioned total surrender is an act of sacrifice. Uh, being a sacrifice, uh, uh, God wants us to be a, a living sacrifice. Notice what he says. Uh, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, uh, he's not, God is not about conveniences. He's He teaches the opposite of us having conveniences. He wants us to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. It's not about about modern conveniences. It's not about, uh, 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 you might say, annoyances. When you come to church and you have to sit in a building that maybe the temperature is not adjusted like it should be, that's not a sacrifice. That's an annoyance, okay? We have to park a little further down the hill. That's not a sacrifice. That's an annoyance. 
That's an annoyance. Somebody gets her seat. That's an annoyance. Preachers, uh, maybe the preacher preaches too long. Or that's an annoyance. These are not sacrifices, but they're annoyances uh, and conveniences. So he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. God requires a living sacrifice, meaning a once and for all sacrifice. He says, uh, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So present your bodies. Now remember, your bodies are not your own. We talked about this. Your body doesn't belong to you. When we get saved, uh, every part of our body belongs to the Lord. Uh, our body, our soul, our spirit, all belongs to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is in my body. The Holy Spirit of God is working in me, uh, bringing Jesus out. From, without, from within to the outside of me. He's working in me. The point is when, when you and I present our bodies to God for a living sacrifice, we're saying, I'm dying to my dreams, I'm dying to my wants, I'm dry, dying to my desires, my agenda, my will. I'm dying to everything but the living Christ who lives within me. He's my Lord. We talked about that. He's my Savior. So total surrender is an act of gratitude. Total surrender is an act of sacrifice. Then we talked about how total surrender is an act of worship. Worship is more than just singing. Sometimes we think a worship service just consists of singing. But verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Holy, set apart, acceptable, that that pleases God. Your reasonable service, your rational service, your logical service. Some translation says this is your reasonable service, or this is your reasonable act of worship. Your reasonable act of worship. So when I look at the cross and I begin to reflect what Christ did for me on the cross. It's my reasonable, my logical, my rational thing is to give him, not to give him my spare time, not to give him my spare change, not to neglect his day of worship, but the logical response to the cross, my rational response to the cross, my reasonable response to the cross is totally absolute surrender of my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the greatest act of worship, listen, the greatest act of worship is not singing, it's not praising, it's not lifting our hands. All of that's fine and there's a place for all of that. But the greatest act of worship as a believer is there is a moment in time where a believer, he or she offers himself up as a living sacrifice, totally, absolutely surrendering themselves to the Lord Jesus. So the surrendered life is an act of gratitude, sacrifice, and an act of worship. So today, a total surrendered life is an act of resistance. Look, if you will, at verse 2. He says, and be not conformed to this world. Now that word conformed there speaks of the pressure that we face in the world. In this world. J.B. Phillips worded it like this. He says, don't let the world press you into its mold. Be not conformed to this world. 
Don't let the world press you into its mode. Don't let the world press you into its mode. Now the question is, what is the world? This world system, this world culture, this culture, this system, this way of life that's been designed by man to live as man thinks is to live a life of happiness apart from God. This whole world, this system ruled by the power of the prince of the air, the evil one, has developed a system in which it entices us to live a life that is totally, absolutely separated from holy God. If you want to be happy, the world says, don't have God in your life. Uh, this entire culture, a whole way of conducting yourself. So this world speaks of the mindset uh, out there in education, philosophy, finances, even in religion, that the best thing to be is to be without Christ, without God, without Christ. So the world wants you to conform, wants me to conform, and they hate us when we refuse to because we're called to be what? Nonconformist. They want us to conform to the system, this world. They say that you, where you can be happy without God, they want us to conform to the world. But we're nonconformist. We're, we're walking this narrow way. We walk in this narrow road. We're living a different life than what the world wants us to live. The Bible says that we're peculiar people. Not that we're weird and not that we're odd, but just simply that we're different than what the world thinks we should be. So the point is, the world wants everybody to conform. And when we don't, we convict them. It's this dark and lightness thing. Darkness is the world, and Christ is the light, and, and the world hated the light when Christ came into this world of darkness. And the world hates us because we represent the light. And so when everybody refuses, or when we refuse to conform as Christians, we convict them. Our very life confronts them to, to the truth that there's another way to live, and that's for the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that we shouldn't be walking like a lost soul. The Bible says we shouldn't be talking like a lost soul. The Bible says we shouldn't be thinking like a lost soul. The Bible says we shouldn't be rationing like a lost soul. We're different. The Bible says don't allow the pressures of this lost world to pressure you into its mode. Don't be conformed to this world. Now listen, the world has its fads, and it has its fashions, and they change every year, and they change with every generation. Some of these fads and fashions are minor. I remember one time where we wore the wide ties. Then I remember where we went to the narrow tie. Then I remember where it went back to the wide tie. And now it's back to the narrow tie. That's the world. Some of those are minor. The world 
have those, has those fads, uh, even in regards to dress styles. You know, at one time your hair was long, then another time it was short, and now it's, it's short all, almost all around, and then tall on top, and it's pink, and it's blue, and it's all these different colors. That's the fad. That's the fashion right now. Slang is a fashion. Slang is a fad. I can remember uh, slang at one time was hip, and then it was hot, and now it's cool. And so all of that changes as generations. And so those are minor things. But then there's some major things. There's some major things like moral changes, morales. Uh, in regards to cohabitation, we say that's cool. God's, God says God condemns it. We think of uh, uh, premarital sex. God condemns it. world says it's cool. We think of homosexuality and lesbian. The Bible says that, the Bible condemns it. The world says that it's cool. And so, just remember this. The world is a liar for sinners, but it's a lure for Christians. And so you have to be careful. Don't be conformed to the world. So the point is, the believer who's been laid on the altar for God is not to be conformed to the world. He or she is morally changed. You see, my life is not molded from, from without, but molded from within. So be not conformed to the world. But notice what he says. He says what? Be ye transformed. Now that word transformed comes from a Greek word which we get our word metamorphosis. The dictionary definition of metamorphosis is a change of uh, a change of form or a change of character. An example the dictionary gives is a caterpillar, a great example of metamorphosis. It undergoes metamorphosis and it emerges from within, without comes a beautiful butterfly. So there's a metamorphosis takes place, or something on the inside takes place before the, the butterfly becomes beautiful. And so it's this kind of change the Holy Spirit wishes to work in the life of a believer. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants to work that in the life of a believer, but at the same time He has to have full control of our, our body and our mind. He wants to bring what's on the inside out as a witness to the Lord Jesus, or for the Lord Jesus. That's why Exodus 34 says, Moses came down from the mountain after being with God, and his face was shining. People knew that he had been with God. There was a metamorphosis that had taken place here in the Old Testament with Moses. You remember in the New Testament, the metamorphosis took place uh, with Stephen, and Stephen was prior to him being stoned, and he was there with his enemies there at the Sanhedrin. And when they looked at him, the Bible says in Acts 6, verse 15, that his face had the appearance as an angel. This metamorphosis took place. The Scripture says, And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And then you have the major transformation and metamorphosis that took place there on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was transformed before His disciples and prophets of the Old Testament. 
So the point is, every believer will experience a change like this when we come face to face with Jesus Christ, for sure. 1 John 3, 2 bears that out. Notice what he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That metamorphosis that we become actually like Jesus Christ at that time. And so the Holy Spirit desires to kindly etch the likeness of the Lord Jesus into our character right now. Now why now? So that we might reflect the Lord Jesus while we're down here on this earth. Abraham Lincoln was making his appointments as president, uh, as the president. And he had these high officials he was appointing. And one person made a recommendation that this person be recommended. And, and Lincoln said this. He said, I don't like his face. And the one making the recommend, uh, recommendation to the president uh, just simply said, well, this man's not responsible for his face. Lincoln said this. He said, every man over 40 years old, over 40 years old is responsible for his face. By then, we know what's on the inside because it's been made evident on the outside. It's not about a cosmetic face. Something more, it's, 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 it's more than a cosmetic face. I went through, uh, uh, I believe it was, uh, oh, it was one of those shops in the mall, Dillard's, I believe, or maybe Belk's, I believe it's Belk's, and they had, they had free, uh, free, free makeovers. Well, I thought about it, but I didn't have that much time. It's not about the cosmetic appearance, but it's about the appearance of God and how He's reflected in our lives. That's what's so important. Because the Holy Spirit works from within, and this godly countenance is transferred from within to the outside. Verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says that when you're totally surrendered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit begins to renew your mind. You don't think like you used to think. You don't act like you used to act. Your mind's being renewed. You know, when I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I freed the Holy Spirit, and the same is true about you, to take the Word of God and to renew my mind, to get the junk out of my mind, to get the bad thoughts out of my mind, to, to clear my mind, to, to get the lies out of my mind, to get the truth into my mind, to get the bad thoughts out, to get the language out, to get the anger out, to get the hatred out of my mind. He began to renew my mind. And so a surrender life is an act of gratitude, sacrifice, worship, resistance, not being conformed. We're being transformed. And, and let me list this as we close out. Number six. A surrendered life is an act of proving God's perfect will for our lives. You see that? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. From time to time, I'll have people to come to me and, and they'll ask me about, Brother Sammy, I'm trying to find out what God's will is for my life. Now, I've asked that question from time to time. 
and especially uh, when, I was, when God was dealing with me and being called to preach. And I went to my dad. My dad gave me this information. He said, well, you'll know. You'll just know. And I'm thinking, my goodness, that, that wasn't much help. But it really was. But, you know, when you think about, at times, people think that, uh, that finding God's will, that God's will, for some reason, is hid from us. It's kind of like hunting Easter eggs. And you got this prize egg out there. And you're hunting for that prize egg. And you're looking everywhere. And you really want to find that prize egg. And all of a sudden, someone finds that prize egg. And they scream out, I found it, I found it, I found it, I found the prize egg. And that just takes the air out of everybody that didn't find the prize egg. You know, we think that for some reason God has hid His will from us and we have to find His will. But really, the will of God is not hidden. The will of God is... I'll tell you where the will of God is. The will of God's right here. The Bible says that the Word of God is the will of God. And here's, a, here's what's... This is what happens. You know, we, we, don't, we have trouble at times finding or discovering the will of God for our lives. And the reason is that we're not in the Word of God. Notice what he said, that you may prove what is that good, that prove what is that acceptable, perfect will of God. That word prove there means to put to the test for the purpose of approving. A committed, surrendered life has the power to perceive what God's will is. And if you don't have a total surrendered life to the Lord Jesus Christ, a careless, uncommitted life leads to nothing but confusion. If you have a surrendered life, you stay with it, and you won't have a problem knowing what God's will is for your life. But if you're not committed, if you're not surrendered to the Lord, you're going to have a confused life more than a surrendered life to the Lord and knowing His will. So the point is, when you're absolutely surrendered to the Lord, you receive the Word of God, your mind's been renewed, and you begin to understand what the will of God is for your life. You know, before Jesus ever got to the cross, He went to the garden, and He surrendered to the will of God for His life. You ever saw that? He, before he got to the cross, he went to the garden and he prayed and he said, Lord, I pray that you'd let this cup pass from me. The bitterness, the agony, the suffering, the abuse, physical abuse, the mental abuse, the scourging, the swords, the crown of thorns, whatever will involve, let this cup pass from me. And, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then he went to the cross. And so to know the perfect will of God, first you must come to a point of total surrender in your life. And I think that's what I've shared with some people struggling about ministry. I said, listen, I found out that when I came to a point where I totally surrendered to the Lord, God began to open up doors, if you will, and showed me and and led me directly to where he wanted me to be. A surrendered life will know the will of God, you'll perceive the will of God, whereas an unsurrendered life will have a life of confusion. Remember the prayer there in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Not my will, but yours be done. And so, when you are absolute surrendered, you want to know the will of God, and you find out the will of God. And although it may not be what you really want it to be, Jesus, you go ahead and are obedient to what the will of God is for your life. Because you're a living, once and for all, sacrifice dedicated to Him. So a biblical church member... Really, I, my prayer would be this. A Mountain View member, member of Mountain View Baptist Church, would be totally surrendered to Jesus Christ by an act of gratitude, sacrifice, worship, resistance, not being conformed, transformed, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their life and bring that out to the outside and then to prove God's perfect will, then be obedient to that will. So the question we end, is, uh, end with is this. Are you, or have you, surrendered your life as a living sacrifice to the Lord? Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had this morning to worship you and to praise you and to pray and to go through the different acts of worship. But now we've heard your word, a challenging word this morning. I pray for each person here that we're, we're biblical Christians. We're not uh, uh, biblical church members, Lord, that uh, uh, we're what you want us to be, Lord, as a member of the body of Christ in this particular congregation. I pray for each person here this morning. I pray for those that need to be connected with you. And Lord, put their faith and trust in you this morning. And Lord, turn from their sin, turn to this person by the name of Jesus and, and put their faith and trust in him for their salvation. Trust him to be their Lord and Savior. Be connected with him, connected with a local body of believers, this congregation to serve you. And then later, Father, as, as, as they begin to take each step of discipleship, that they would surrender at this time their life to you and be a living sacrifice for you, to you and for you. Thank you for what you're going to do during this time of invitation. Help us, we pray, to be that, be that surrendered life, Lord, because of our gratitude, willing to be a sacrifice, worship you, then not be conformed to this old world, but be transformed. Lord, that people might see Jesus on our face by the way that we live and represent you, and that we would know your perfect will and be obedient in doing what you want us to do. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.